2: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to Loose Units Loose Ends, the Loose Units spinoff podcast where Dad and I keep you company through this. I, is it still a quarantine? I know certain states are handling it differently, Dad, but how is it in New South Wales right now? New South Wales is wonderful, but it's not like full-on toilet paper hoarding time anymore, is it?
3: No, we're speaking from my perspective. Um, yeah. I'm managing to get through all the toilet paper. Sure. All right. Well, I mean, and, you
1: did. You did have a lot, didn't you?
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm embarrassed yeah. to uh, to comment any further. Let's just say that I did suffer a little bit of. I became a uh, hoarder. A minimalist hoarder. Sure. (laughs) I had to read my... You know that I own three books on minimalism? Yes. I had to actually refer to them yesterday just to make sure I'm still on track.
1: Yeah, if if, if you look in the appendix on your minimalism books to find out if building a fort out of your excess toilet paper is still minimalism, the short answer is no. And the long Mm. answer is no because they don't want to take up too much space in the book. Dad, I wanted to kick things off with a question from a listener, if that's okay.
3: Yeah, go for it. Okay,
1: this is from Carly Renee. Carly said, "I don't know if this has been asked yet, but John, when you have gone to scenes of a fire, how do you determine the cause of the fire? Just thinking as an average person here, I always wondered how they determine the cause. I if it was lit by a match or fueled by petrol to get it going." Carly,
3: Kylie, um, great question. Carly, oh Carly, well yeah. Carly also, Carly and Carly. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, dear, dear. Um, well, the first thing you do. Is you use your olfactory center? Do we all know what that is?
1: Yeah, it's your nose, nose and your mouth, right?
3: Yeah uh, not your mouth. Oh, just your, just your nose. Oh. In fact, the listeners have been posting some photographs of fire trucks at petrol stations recently. One came through last night. Yeah. people saying things like, "Wow, we, uh, I mean, I don't know where people thought fire engines got their petrol from, but they actually just get them from normal petrol stations. Um, and people are starting to send in photographs of uh, fire engines at the bowsers sure which is a little bit off topic i concur but yeah it's so off topic oh god where was i
1: how do you determine when you oh that's right
3: okay so here's here's this uh everyone next time you see a fire engine speeding to some some incident it's possible but i'm not sure whether it's that likely but in the olden days i.e. the 1990s Mm -hmm. it was not uncommon for firefighters on the way to a job to stick their heads out the window oh like dogs exactly and get a, a sense of the the smell coming from not inside the fire engine where some members may have passed wind but outside the engine as you're coming towards the fire, that particular smell would give you an indicator of what type of fire it was, i.e. house fire, bush fire, chemical fire mm. or chemical incident. Because these smells, particularly if you're heading toward the fire or the incident and the, and the prevailing wind is blowing the odour. So the, th- the same thing at a fire after the fire, when you go inside to in a burning building, you can sometimes smell accelerant. Now, if you if it's a domestic uh, dwelling or a shop, like a news agency or something where they've perhaps done an insurance job, mm. the chances are with insurance jobs, they pretty well nine times out of 10 use an accelerant because they need it to really get going hard and fast. They don't want sure. the fire is to rock up and put it out. Yeah. Otherwise, they've just burned a few of their newspapers and they've got to reopen for business and it's a real fizzer. So, uh, unless, of course, they're selling fireworks because they do. Is this particular firework called a fizzer?
1: Um, not sure. If it is, it's not a very good one.
3: No, it's a bit of a fizz. <laughs> bit of a fizz. <laughs> mm. Very good, Paul. Uh, and, yeah, look, uh, I mean, using a match. I mean, if you were going to light a fire, then, um, you know, of course you'd use a match to start with, but you'd hope that it really uh, got going really, really quickly, so you'd use lots and lots of exciting accelerants um, and maybe set fire to the curtains and, uh, you know, get... And maybe even set a little fire, but there are ways of that. Of, of, that the fire um, professionals, you know, arson experts, within the brigade and also within forensics, there are, there are ways they can find the seat of the fire, which is the where there's the most intensity, and they can quite clearly see in in a lot of fires the seat where where the fire actually originated. Yeah. And, in, and within that, they they will look for evidence. Uh, hopefully that that helps a little bit with that answer.
1: All right. Well, look, one of the things you wanted to talk about this week was, uh, look, everyone last week, uh, Dad told a story uh, about a billiard ball being stuck up someone's bottom. Mm. And first of all, I'd like to address the several listeners who pointed out... Well, first of all, I said that it was very unlikely that you could sit on a Pavlova magic egg and it go inside you. Mm. My argument for that was, well, it's not flat on the bottom, so it wouldn't stay still. And then people sent in photos... They are flat on the bottom. That's how they store them on supermarket shelves. So I, I stand corrected, mm. and then I sit corrected mm. uh, on, in the wrong place. So, mm. but the, you said you had a follow-up to the um, to the ball story.
3: Well, um, a particular uh, person who works in a hospital within mm. this country, or not? I'm just trying to be very non-specific. Uh, this particular person has been corresponding with me with some fascinating stories. Mm. Um, and this particular person, um, she she wrote to me a few days ago with uh, with a correction to my original story because right. I had uh, indicated because I wasn't quite sure which hole the said billiard ball. I'm not sure whether it was a billiard ball or a snooker ball. What's the difference? Um, well, they're they the same diameter, but Often they're different the colours. But, yeah. Different colours, and it's a different. It's a different. Uh, it's just a different game. And and the early balls that not many people will perhaps know about, and maybe even you don't know this, ball, but they were made of ivory.
1: Oh. Did you know right. that?
3: No. And uh, having, having dealt in an antiques for a long time, almost 40 years, if you gave me an ivory snooker or billiard ball and a synthetic mm. snooker or billiard ball... Mm-hmm blindfolded me and put the two balls in my hands. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? And then I was somehow or other... Well, if they were actually billiard balls or snooker balls, I could then put them behind my back. Yep. And do you know that I could actually tell you which was the ivory ball and which was the synthetic ball by just feeling them? Isn't that amazing? That's a weird skill to have. It's not really a party trick. No, but as an antique dealer it was very important to be able to differentiate. There's,
1: yeah, there's a there's a, there's a a line in Jurassic Park where Gennaro, the lawyer, is sitting in the truck with the kids and they're playing with those headsets and he goes, put that down. And they go, why? And he goes, is it heavy? And they say, yes. And he goes, well, if it's heavy, it's expensive. And I guess what I'm
3: trying to say is, is ivory heavier than no. what they would use? No, no. it's lighter. It's, n- it's nothing to do with weight.
1: What? Then how can you tell?
3: Ah, well, would you like to, um, you can ask me questions if you like. Can you hear the ghostly screams of the animal slaughtered needlessly for the ball? Well, no. If it was a synthetic ball, you couldn't.
1: But it, I'm saying if it's ivory.
3: I know what you're saying. The balls. Not so, I've got a pair of balls in my hands. Ooh, Not a pair in each. I mean, a pair of balls in my hands <laughs> would indicate four balls, wouldn't it?
1: No. Maybe. You have a pair in your a hands. Pair in my hands. So, I think you've, maybe, on. s- you've maybe separated the balls. True. Yep.
3: So, I've separated them. They're behind <laughs> my back. Do you have any questions? Yeah. At this, at um, this point. Why have you done
1: this to a to an innocent bystander?
3: No, no. It's to tell which is which. It's a party trick, kind of. Right. Although the crowd the par- in the party the crowd will disperse if, if I mention ivory, because ivory's not not so popular. Yep. And, um, yep. and and rightfully so. It's to do with the temperature. So what the ivory is yep. a different temperature to the uh, to the synthetic material.
1: Is that because it's organic matter and organic matter holds heat differently? Possibly, or? possibly. Um, mm. I guess what I'd like to figure out is what the follow-up was from your contact who told you about the, the ball. Thanks for bringing
3: me back on track, Paul. I really I need you to because it's great because I would <laughs> no have problem. fucking gone, God it's knows like, where. It's like trying but, to get um, something back in a bottle some days. Okay, so this lovely person, she got back to me and said, well, look, John, it actually wasn't her anus. It was her, the other place. Oh. Her, um... No, I know. Her secret cave. Yeah. So and then she she sort of punctuated that that correction quite beautifully and she said "John have you ever tried to remove a slippery ball with a pair of tongs?" To which I thought about that and thought "No, I haven't yet ever done that." And so back to the original story, they were in fact inside her um her you can say area. vagina.
1: It's just vag- vagina. They're yeah. in her vagina.
3: They're inside that, that region. And um, and um, they were there for months. No, oh. Not they, shit. There weren't two of them. Not that I know of. I think there was only one. And they're a decent size, might I add. So it was obviously put in there on purpose. Hmm. And then for some reason or other, she found it difficult to uh, to uh, extricate the, the billiard or, or snooker ball. And I don't know whether it was ivory or synthetic maybe um, maybe she just because sometimes
1: if the ball gets stuck you just put in the coins and then it puts all of them out at once
3: yeah, but that drops them all out simultaneously right yeah that's right there are, there's certain etiquette yeah when playing with any ball in with any ball games like there's the French game where you've and I'm not sure what that's called bull Hang is on, Bulls. Bull? Yeah, bulls.
1: Yeah, it's the lawn. It's the lawn ball. It's where you throw the kind of hornet. yeah a Metal ball, I, and there's look, a technique. I've done some used. research. I did some research, and it turns out that there is a slight difference. A snooker ball is um, two and one sixteenth of an inch in diameter, and the billiard ball is two and seven sixteenths of an inch. So, which is
3: slightly larger?
1: Slightly larger. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. But I think in this so, particular story, and then, um, funnily enough, we were getting lots of photographs on on various social media platforms with photographs of um, capsicum capsicums capsicums and capsicum. uh, and the thing is that everyone wanted to know what that particular thing was that was sort of sticking out of um, that person's bottom and it, and it was yep. a prolapsed anus so that's that's the, that's the mystery solved yeah and and that particular uh, nurse that wrote to me about the billiard ball she also sent me a few questions. And she was very, very particular, and she numbered each question. First question was, was the photograph post-mortem? Which is a great question. In other words, was the photo that I saw when I was an eight-year-old, when I was sneaking a look in that medical book at my neighbour's house, with the excitement and fear of getting caught, looking at these taboo photographs, but from memory the person who was lying down was actually alive? And that was the answer to the first question. Her second question was, I think, the, God, I think the question was, did I know what it was? And I've since found out. But at the time, I genuinely thought that it was a vegetable of some type. Yep, uh, and no and one's, he, no one's eating capsicum. No, I love capsicum. I love capsicum. I love big peppers.
1: Look, this is all well and good, Dad, but I think the main event for this episode is something that I've been dying to discuss with you. And that is the fact that several times on Loose Ends, we've discussed the crossbow killer. And Mm. the fact that, you know, uh, but what's happened is, of course, we have various family members who, uh, you know, who listen to this show. And you said that you have an update on this. Well,
3: your grandmother, who funnily enough, Mm. uh, well, perhaps not funnily enough, but your grandmother is my mother. Weird. And she, now let's just refresh the listeners very briefly. This is the guy that, oh, look, here's something else. Paul, did I tell you that I got a letter from a listener a few weeks ago? And this particular lady's now husband found the torso in pit water. Did I tell you that? No. What torso? Well, you know how he cut the bodies up. He got rid of when he thought he was going to get caught he actually he'd kept the torso and various body parts yeah. in his freezer. But then he thought, shit I've got to get rid of this torso. And he it was bound in chicken wire. Right. And he threw the torso into pit water. And one of our listeners Husband's when he was a, a teenager, I think he was seventeen at the time. He was fishing in pitwater, mm. and he's the guy that found the torso of the uh, dismembered body that had been killed by the crossbow killer. I mean, that's that's how how our listeners, that's how the reach we have with this podcast. That's bananas. And I'm I'm sorry that I didn't uh, tell you that before.
1: No, no, that's that's fantastically but, interesting. But you know, I get so, I get
3: so this morning I had a message from uh, a guy that works in a vineyard in Tasmania, and he just. He just loves the podcast. He's he's stoked about the, the new book coming out. Oh, that's nice. Uh, which you made reference to. I'll send you a link to, or I'll screenshot what he said. And there's this guy working in the vineyards, must be freezing in Tassie, and he's just a devotee. Um, I mean, I don't like sort of self-congratulating or patting ourselves on our back too much, but it's really lovely. that people oh, actually yeah. bother to write in.
1: I mean, we get some great stuff. We got a message very recently from, uh, I assume, a firefighter uh, with photos taken upon arrival to a structure fire a couple of weeks ago. I'm assuming the person, because the, the person who sent them through didn't say whether they're a firefighter or not, so they're either a firefighter or an arsonist returning to the scene of the crime. Mm, which is um, not uncommon either. Which is not uncommon either. I mean, here's a question, Dad. Statistically, how many arsonists do you think listen to this show? Well,
3: do you want a number or a percentage? Just a rough percentage would be good. Okay, because for an arsonist, it could be beneficial. I dread saying that. But if you actually dissected all the podcasts we've ever done, and that also applies to um, you know other people, other criminals, mm. I'm sure um, there'd be information in there that you could sort of extricate and then distill. and. and now, listen, you were um,
1: talking about this update on the mm. crossbow killer.
3: Yep, yep okay listeners get ready for this paul's about two two weeks ago my my mother your grandmother she yep. um she texted me and she said oh john because she likes to uh, refer to me as with with my name uh-huh she said oh john um i just thought you'd like to know that i taught the crossbow killer had i told you that before no what did you teach him well it was second class Oh, so just like kind of everything, really? Yeah, just general. And my mother was a, an amazing uh, teacher. She taught
1: well, for she, more than 50 years. She taught me to read, actually. I was having trouble with literacy until I got to, I think, year one. And she said, no, grandson of mine is going to not be able to read. And then started pulling me in during lunch breaks and basically forcing me to read. Which, mm. as, And you hated as people, it at first? I, I, I hated it. But obviously, given that I'm on
3: to my second book, it clearly paid off. Mm. So. Or as Tegan would say, book. What do you mean she sometimes refers to a book as a book? She's never said book. She's said it so many times it's No,
1: instead of much she says much. Sometimes she has a slight Mancunian accent, but she'd mm. never say book.
3: Anyway, she said it many times. Has... Um, so Paul, yes. your grandmother, mm. uh, my mum, she began to tell me a few little cuz I, I I kind of said I got a bit excited. Yeah. And I said, "Mum, you've got to have some, we need some. Can you give me some some more info than is that is is known?" Yeah. You know how you talk about people that listen to the podcast? I mean, I assume this guy is still alive. And I'm wondering whether... How, I'm, I'm actually really genuinely curious as to whether anyone in jail listens to our podcast. How would Isn't, they? Paul, they do have access to technology. Well, forgive my ignorance.
1: I just, I, I, I don't know that much about what it's like to be in prison, what you do and don't have access to. Well, I'm not sure.
3: Yeah. They've got this amazing uh, radio station run right. by... It's in England that I'm not sure whether we get it here, but it's a prison radio station and i've heard it and it is very very good it's very very right. interesting and really good for the mental well-being and there are people that would say well you know once they're in they're in but you know anyway that's a whole nother another story but so i was thinking before i said all this you know i thought golly he's still alive and presumably still in custody and i wonder how he'd feel about me saying what i'm about to say so mum told me that he had been to another school. Um, I'm not going to mention the type of school because it's um, quite popular with slightly alternate viewpoints in terms of mainstream curricular uh, education. I know but, the one. But yeah. anyway, he'd been to this particular school where, funnily enough, some of our, you may recall, some of my good friends, um, they sent their kids there for a while. Do you recall?
1: I think I went to one for some math tutoring at some point.
3: Correct. Uh, yeah. Maybe. So the thing is, Paul, that um, he'd gone to this school mm. and... They have a very, very uh, interesting system of teaching where they like to encourage the children to be very, let's say, free-spirited. They couldn't handle him, so he went back into the mainstream system. Right. And my poor, dear mum managed to uh, land up with this boy, and he used to clench this book. It was a, a, a notebook, and he very proudly um, would never show it to anyone. It was an exercise book that he had from the other school. Yeah. And... um eventually mum managed to talk him into showing uh, her some of the uh, you know the contents of this particular notebook mm. and uh, it had at least 100 pages and uh, he one day showed mum so he's he's in second class i guess he'd be maybe 8 or 9 years old yeah. i'm not quite sure inside the book were literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of penises that he'd drawn and not only had he drawn numerous penises and, and, and only penises, but he'd also written the word penis underneath every single caricature. I'm not saying it was a caricature. Oh, they could have been quite realistic, I don't know. So that was fairly weird. There, yeah, there are certain things that you know, um, young boys,
1: uh, I don't know if do, but at least did, used to get quite fixated on. Um, and I, I'm not sure there's a... Did his crimes, refresh my memory and the listeners' memories, did his crimes involve uh, phalluses at all?
3: Um, not necessarily, but he, they were, um, should we say homoerotic from what I've been able to glean. So that, 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 that is an interesting part of the story. And then the other part, uh, of the story, this is coming from my mother. So it's 100% factual, even though I don't feel I ever need to say that or preface anything I say with that particular phrase, but it's, I want to punctuate that by then saying the other thing that he used to do when he was in second class is that he used to shit in all the bubblers at the school he would go to all the bubblers where children go and drink and defecate, shit, crap and when you put that together with the book of penises I think what you've got um, particularly in hindsight Mm. is uh, the, the makings of uh potentially a fairly disturbed person. Yeah. Uh, but I also know that he was highly intelligent. Right. And um I thought that was just a bit of a an interesting uh add-on to the uh the story. And 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 let's face it, he, as we all know, as the listeners know, when he was with his girlfriend in their lounge room, he would remove the head from the freezer and roll it across the floor. Yeah. Which is an unusual thing to do. Uh and if we were to imagine that he perhaps liked lawn bowls, you know, that's, that's I don't know whether he did, but that's where my mind goes. And then, sure. of course, we've been talking about bowls earlier on, so that's it's a good segue back into where the whole thing started.
1: I often wonder how many people I went to school with, because I went to school with some bad people, and I often wonder how many of them were secretly harboring you know like either criminal careers or criminal tendencies i would genuinely be curious to see because i went to a boys school for for a portion of my my life and i'd be i'm just so curious as to which of these people if any ended up doing bad things or mm, good mm. things it must be weird to have gone to school with someone like that and then mm, find out you know mm.
3: well i'll tell the listeners and and you a little story and i may have told you before but i think it's well worth mentioning and that is that a particular guy that i went to high school with who was um he was a crim And he ended up in Long Bay Jail. He was a a really, really, um, he was just a, he was just a, I I don't know if he was born bad, but everything about him was fucking creepy. And I went to his house one day and I remember, I'm sure I've told you this story, but I'll tell it again. He had a little brother who was about four and the little brother, we're in a park heading towards his house. And for some reason or other, we stopped in the park and his little brother stood on top of the slippery dip and pissed on me. Have I told you this story? no yeah so he's three or four years old he whips his dacks down and he pees all over me now i thought that was a bit odd at the time i mean i i've never done that to another human being um so that was that was bizarre and then we went to his house and he lived in a pretty depressing place and i'll never forget this and i think it's important just to talk about meeting and knowing people when they were younger and and then he actually ended up going into the bay long bay jail for some pretty heavy shit but when we went into his house and i was probably i would have been in first form so i would have been maybe 12 Hmm. he took me into his mum and dad's room and i remember as a 12 year old thinking this is really this 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 house that he lived in in a suburb on the northern beaches, but it was a fairly depressing suburb. I remember going into the house and there was a pall of misery, I sensed as a 12-year-old, that something was just sad. I remember seeing holes in the walls and looking back, that would have been as a direct result of domestic violence. And I'll never forget, he went over to his mother's side table next to the bed and he pulled out a vibrator. Now, I'd never seen a vibrator before. A battery-operated one about, let me think, from memory maybe 10 inches long. It was white and he turned it on. I, I just stood there as a 12 year old thinking I, I genuinely didn't know what it was but as, as time went by I obviously remembered what it was and then I began to think about the weirdness of the whole situation why he would show me his mother's vibrator and then I and, and now it all makes perfect sense in terms of that was the environment that he grew up in. He had a brother that had pissed on me fifteen minutes before. I know this is all gonna sound pretty creepy and horrific, but these stories are not that unusual in certain in certain sort of climates and um, and then back to the the crossbow killer. I mean, he was demonstrating some fairly unusual behaviour at a very early age. Yeah. And um, yeah. and are these markers for for the future. And, and 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 don't forget that the crossbow killer's grandmother taught him how to torture animals yes that's right which I think is it's creepy
1: well it's a weird place to finish on but I feel like it's apt obviously we're going to be back on Tuesday with a brand new episode of Loose Units but we hope you've enjoyed this bonus episode of Loose Ends and if you want to get in touch with us hop across to facebook.com forward slash Loose Units and make sure you pre-order Electric Blue if you haven't already and we will see you next week for more Loose Units
3: fantastic thanks everyone bye
2: here's a cool fact